This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hello, this is Richard Ingebretson from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Thank you for listening to our AWLS podcast on wilderness medicine. This podcast series is for everybody who goes into the backcountry and recreates outdoors. We're here to help you to keep safe and to help keep your loved ones and family safe as you go into this beautiful world. I'm going to talk today about the United States of America because this country has its own sets of problems and diseases, meaning in the wilderness. This is a curious thing because normally we feel protected in our home states, in our home countries, in our own areas, but uh, when we go outside, we are subjected to diseases that we normally don't see when we stay inside. And the United States is about ready to be uh, uh, lambasted with three different conditions that we want to bring to your attention. And the first one is what is the escalating th- threat of a valley fever. Uh, valley fever is uh, expanding its uh, geographical reach in the United States of America, and most people don't know that what it is and that they may be at risk for it. This is an outdoor disease uh, almost exclusively. It really is a dangerous da- dangerous and deadly fungus is what causes valley fever. And it is coming across the country as the climate warms. And so as the temperature goes high, then the fungus will survive. Uh, if I can uh, go back in time a few years to uh, 2018, an eight-year-old uh, University of Arizona student uh, found himself uh, unable to walk without getting winded. He experienced uh, rapid weight loss, stomach problems, extreme fatigue, and it just seemed to come out of nowhere is what he uh, said. Eventually, he was placed in the intensive care unit because he really couldn't uh, breathe independently. At first, they really couldn't find any answer to this. Uh, they uh, were testing him for cancer, and then someone in the family suggested that he might be tested for valley fever and he tested positive. Uh, Infectious disease physicians uh, went after him and and treated him for this, which he responded. Uh, uh, Valley fever, for most people don't know it, is an outdoor disease caused by a fungus. The fungus is called coccidiomycosis, and there are several of them. It has historically been found in the soil of certain United States regions, particularly California, actually for where it gets its name, Arizona, Utah, Texas, New Mexico, Nevada, However, uh, this fungus is now spreading northward. It's being seen, it's been found in Washington as the climate shifts, and predictions are that it will be seen across half the United States of America in the coming decades. So we want to bring that to the attention of the listeners because uh, spores are, uh, can be anywhere, and if your recreation takes you into areas where you've never uh, thought valley fever could be, you need to be careful. It's a spore uh, that comes from the fungus. It becomes airborne when contaminated soil and dust are distributed by animals, whether even human activity. So when you go camping and there's animals flying or the wind even can bring this up, people become infected if they inhale the spores from a, uh, a wound-contaminated animal that has coccidiosis in it and, and contact with objects that have been contaminated with the same fungal spores. And it's known, obviously, to come from organ transplantation if the donor was infected. Uh, According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC in the United States, 
20,003 reported cases of valley fever in the United States in 2019, and that was uh, in the case that we just gave you. Most frequently, they were in the southwestern states of Arizona and California. The CDC says that number is very likely much higher, as tens of thousands more illnesses likely occur and may be disdiagnosed because many patients were not tested for valley fever. In highly endemic areas such as Phoenix and Tucson in the United States, those metropolitan areas of Arizona, valley fever causes an estimated 15 to even 30% of community-acquired pneumonia. But low testing rates suggest that valley fever is probably under-recognized. Valley fever specifically uh, uh, refers to the lung involvement, but, there, uh, but the infection can involve other organs as well. The fungus spreads through the lungs. It can also involve bone and joint skins, the general tract, central nervous system, and goes on. But we normally think of it as being in the lung. Uh, uh, it's a disseminated disease, and patients at higher risk of disseminated disease are pregnant women, of course, immunocompromised people, people with diabetes and who are on medicines for uh, for those reasons. Uh, If you are going to those areas and you're outdoors, uh, which uh, people in this podcast frequently do, uh, uh, it usually begins one to three weeks after exposure to the fungus. Fever, night sweats, body aches, fatigue, cough, difficulty breathing and rash, uh, for some patients, symptoms can last anywhere from weeks to months, all depending upon the severity of the infection. On the other hand, some people exposed to the fungus may not become ill at all, and that's why we don't know uh, the actual uh, number of those. Um, patients at high risk and severe disease, as we said, are the immunocompromised. Those tend to have more serious symptoms and qualify for treatment with an antifungal medication called fluconazole. And uh, the infection can be fatal, and usually patients are maintained on lifelong antifungal medicine uh, with central nervous system infection, if if that is the case. Uh, The disease disseminated from, uh, in this case that we said at the start, went from its lungs to its spine and legs, requiring them to use a ventilator on three separate occasions, sometimes for uh, weeks at a time. Uh, He had to relearn how to walk, feed himself, and accomplish basic daily tasks and is generally starting to come out of the woods. But his life is radically different than what it was before the time he got sick with coccidiomycosis. Uh, other patients, of course, died. One of the famous cases occurred in 2023. Uh, this is reported in the Journal of Medical Cases, a 46-year-old with a recent diagnosis of pulmonary coccidiomycosis. He experienced, uh, initially experienced acute respiratory failure, and is found to have coccidiomycosis meningitis. And that case is uh, noted uh, and highlights the fact that despite early and adequate treatment of a known pulmonary coccidiomycosis infection, dissemination of the disease can still ensue and be considered in many cases. Uh, To make matters less confusing, a simple blood test which looks for the presence of coccidiomycosis antibodies or antigens can diagnose valley fever. X-rays and CT scans may help in filling that. Be aware of this uh, disease and be aware when you go out. Uh, If you have to uh, wear a uh, 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 respirator mask, such as an N95, if you're going to a place where you think that you are at risk. But be aware when you go out into the seasons where this is possible with dust, animals can kick this up and this disease is spreading. Well, moving on, uh, now we say move over mosquitoes. There is another blood-sucking biter America needs to guard against because it can spread disease. This is the sand fly. We normally don't think about this, but the sand fly is coming and it is getting more prolific 
We need to be aware of it. We are outdoor people uh, listening to this, and sand flies are out there. They are very tiny tan flies, about the quarter size of mosquito, so they are small. They live in warm areas, usually those that are rural and forested. In other parts of the world, they are known to transmit a parasite, a single-celled organism that causes an infectious disease called leishmaniasis. They mostly are active at night, and so they're tiny, so tiny they can slip through ordinary mosquito nets or tents or even window screens. And if you have, to, uh, have been bitten, you sometimes don't even notice that you have been bitten because the bite is uh, pretty tiny. Um, they've now detected leishmaniasis in a number of tissue samples from patients who say they haven't traveled outside the United States. The genetic analysis of these samples and collected put them in, into a new study they presented uh, several weeks ago at the American Society of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene. These patients all had leishmaniasis skin infections, which start with a small bump that erupts into ultra sores days to weeks after the sandfly bite. People could be asymptomatic and not develop anything, but when people are symptomatic, they develop ulcers on their skin, and sometimes it starts as a tiny little volcano with a crater in it. These sores often erupt near the site of a recent bite. The parasite disables nerves in the skin, so the sores generally are not painful, but tend to scar and can be disfiguring, especially if they are on a person's face. Leishmania can be uh, it can infect internal organs, uh, including the liver, uh, the spleen, and, and the bone marrow. Uh, this more severe type of leishmaniasis, called visceral leishmaniasis, is not believed to be transmitted in the United States at this time. But people can be exposed by traveling to tropical countries. Uh, uh, visceral leishmaniasis can be fatal if it is not treated. Most of the skin samples that the CDC study came up uh, came from Texas, which is currently the only U.S. state that requires doctors to report leishmaniasis cases. A uh, recent research review published in 2021 says locally acquired cases of this infection have been reported in southeast Oklahoma. About a half a dozen cases of leishmaniasis skin infections are reported in non-travelers in the United States each year. Uh, these have been studied for uh, quite some time. The World Health Organization lists the disease as endemic or regularly occurring in the United States, though most people and doctors are not aware of it. The point is, is leishmaniasis from the sandfly bite is just not a traveler's disease anymore. Like other types of insects that are finding new habitats as the climate warms, sandflies have been expanding the region in recent years. Some types of these biting flies can now be found as far north as Delaware, New Jersey, Ohio, and Maryland. It's not clear whether sandflies in all these states have transmitted infections to humans, however, but they've been seen there. If the average temperature increases in the northern states, which is what is expected, then sandflies will be able to establish themselves and, uh, in those areas, and then the parasite uh, will be there for transmission. Uh, the, the current study, which is being presented at the annual meeting of the American Society of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene, researchers have uh, analyzed more than 2,100 uh, skin samples that were sent to the CDC for confirmatory testing. And that study went on from 2005 to uh, 2019. Uh, samples were submitted from uh, all 50 states and also Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. About half the samples tested positive. Most of the positive samples 
from people reporting history of international travel, 86 were with patients with no travel uh, history at all. The CDC has found that the most common species of the parasite were among uh, people without any history of travel uh, with a bug known as uh, Leishmania mexicana. Within this species, the CDC detected two distinct genotypes, one of which uh, they dubbed CCC was present nearly 94% of travels, uh, suggesting that this may be a particular type of parasite that's becoming endemic uh, in, in uh, the United States. Uh, there is still a lot to learn about where the sand flies are spreading leishmaniasis in the United States, but for now, it's a very, very good idea to take precautions if you find yourself in a warm, uh, outdoor, rural area. Uh, sand flies are repelled by bug sprays that contain DEET, and they can be killed by permethrin. So it's a good idea to spray camping equipment and clothing for protection so that you uh, don't get that if you're going into those uh, areas uh, to be safe. Treatment for leishmaniasis involves a month-long course of treatment with medications that stymie the parasite, such as amphotericin B, an antifungal drug that is also approved by the U.S. Federal Drug Administration to treat uh, leishmaniasis. Uh, most doctors uh, don't know that leishmaniasis in the United States. They'll say, no, no way, or what is that? So be careful as you go out again in the outdoors uh, of this new and expanding uh, disease. And uh, to complete the trifecta of this podcast, we'll mention the last disease because uh, this one is, is a deadly one. Health officials in two states are warning people to take precautions against mosquito bites because of the presence of eastern equine encephalitis virus. This spreads through the bite of infected mosquitoes. Two cases have been reported in people in Alabama. Only a few cases of eastern equine encephalitis are reported in people in the U.S. each year, usually in the eastern or Gulf states, according to the United States Center for Disease Control and Prevention. However, it can cause very serious illness. Approximately 30% of people with EEE die, and many survivors have ongoing uh, problems. There are no vaccines against the virus and no specific medications to treat it. People of all ages are susceptible to infections, but people over 50 and younger than 15 are at greatest risk of acquiring the virus. While most people bitten by the infected mosquito will not develop any symptoms, severe cases begin with a sudden onset of headache, high fever, chills, and vomiting. The illness may then progress into disorientation, seizures, encephalitis, and then coma. Of course, and as always with mosquitoes, the best way to prevent infection is to avoid mosquito bites. Uh, we uh, always recommend using insect repellents with ingredients such as deep bicardine of oil of lemon eucalyptus. When outdoors, remember to wear long sleeve shirts and long pants. And when you're out camping, make sure, that if you can, to wear nets and sleep with nets uh, that will prevent mosquito biting at night. Clothing may also be treated with, uh, you know, the 0.5% uh, permethrin to kill or repel mosquitoes. And also, if you're at home or if you're camping for a long time, check your property for standing waters where a mosquito can lay eggs. So beware of, uh, in the United States, these three diseases are out there and uh, are uh, looming for us. As always, we say thank you for listening. Thank you.